Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Christine Dorsey, began her spiritual journey at the age of five when she had a near-death experience during surgery for a ruptured appendix. She witnessed firsthand the beauty, safety, and grace of the other side in the presence of a special being. Spiritual gifts were planted in her at that time, but stayed dormant until she matured and began to cultivate them. She became certified by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which expanded her knowledge of wellness practices and helped make clear to Christine that her life's purpose was to assist in energetic and spiritual healing. Christine is a certified Reiki master, integrated energy therapist, meditation teacher, an ordained minister, and a tarot card reader. At times, she utilizes the tarot to assist in her clients' journeys toward personal and spiritual growth. Christine utilizes her intuitive ability to see emotions that are stored in the body with direction from spirit, the healing angels, and her guides. You can find further information at heliotropeholistichealing.com. So, Christine, welcome to NDE Radio. You had a, an NDE at five years old? Yes, yes. Tell us what brought that on and what happened. Sure. So, I, at the time, was in a a Catholic kindergarten. And I was in school on a Friday and I had a terrible stomach ache. I got sick in class. I came home that night. It just got worse. And I just remember vividly sitting like on the living room couch in our house, just continually vomiting. By Saturday, you know, they thought maybe it was a little bug. It got worse. My parents ended up taking me to St. John's Hospital to the ER. I remember it being very crowded. Mm. And I remember seeing a doctor who, for lack of a better word, seemed to rush us out of the ER, gave me green medicine. I remember the color. (laughs) Because as soon as we came home and I was on my mom's couch, I vomited the green medicine up. (laughs) (laughs) That whole night, I felt terrible. And extremely vividly on a Sunday morning uh, as the sun was rising. My appendix burst in the house because all I could do was scream. I remember both of my parents, my dad, when he was younger, his appendix, he had appendicitis and he was sure it was my appendix the entire time. And uh, my dad was a little hundred percent Sicilian man with a big attitude So I feel like from the drive to the house all the way to the hospital, he was venting, you know, his concern and also what he was feeling. I remember my mom wrapped me up in a very lovely 70-ish color themed afghan that she knitted. (laughs) I I mean, I remember everything. Uh, And we ended up going to Elmhurst General, which Elmhurst Hospital is still there. That lovely Sicilian temper and entered its way into the ER to him being put to the side, uh, then really rushing to my side. And I remember being put on a gurney into the elevator and I looked up at a doctor of some sort. And I just remember that his voice was very calming and it was almost like I knew that I was in good hands. Like, I just knew, I just felt better. From that point, it goes to, I'm there. Mm. I go into surgery and then I cross over. So I don't remember what some people will refer to the wormhole in and the wormhole out. And what I've come to understand is it's different for everybody, but at the age of five, because it would have been so terrifying to me, that entrance and exit, that it was sort of blocked from my memory, that just that part. Yes. The first thing I remember is staring at a field 
of every different color tulips. It They were beautiful. And they were flowers I had never seen because my mom grew roses in the backyard. So quite frankly, I don't ever recall seeing a tulip prior to that experience. The color was so brilliant that it almost sang, you know, it had such a vibration about it. Mm. And it was a, as I was on top of a bit of a hill, I'll say, to the left of me was the sun. And to this day, what I call the perfect setting sun, it's that time between 4.30 and 5.30 when the sun is beginning to set, but it's still so brilliant and strong, but not too much. And that was the exact sun that I got to see. As I'm staring at these beautiful tulips, I realized that they were very tall flowers. But the reality is, is I was very little because I was five. Yes. <laughs> so they were as tall as almost I was. Um, and in front of me was a man. But the first thing I saw was the back of him. And what I see is a man in a whitish robe with a belt, no shoes on at all. And I notice in my terms at five, his mommy gave him a really bad haircut because <laughs> the hair was uneven. I felt calm. I felt joyous. I felt safe. Um, there was no fear. I remember I didn't feel cold. I didn't, I, I just felt perfect. And I was happily following him also barefoot down this dirt path. It was like a path cut in between all of these tulips. And we just kept walking, walking, and he didn't say anything to me yet. It was more of my observation of the beauty that I was seeing. We came around to a bit of a turn, and in front of us was this glorious tree. Now, I had a tree as a kid in front of my house. And it was a pretty good tree, but I would call this the perfect tree that you would want to climb if you were a little kid. You know, it really looked like the tree of life where it came out. The, the big branches were low enough that you could climb them. It was full. It was just beautiful. And at that point, we stopped and he turned around and he looked at me. I remember noticing the color of his hair was like a sandy brown. I noticed that his eyes were green like my eyes and they had almost like a gold fleck to them. You know, there was just something different. Uh, he had facial hair, like a, a beard and a goatee type of thing and a kind face. Our, and the kind face, I would also say, was sort of a kind energy that I was kind of, uh, that I was feeling. And he picked up this very thick book that had, I mean, my description would be the pages were completely uneven. They did not look like necessarily paper. It seemed to be bound by something other than leather. Uh, not a normal book that my five-year-old, you know, up until those years that I had seen. He took this book and he sort of flipped some of the pages into my face to make a little fan. And I remember giggling and he said, you two will know this book one day. And I just laughed. I just smiled. I, I didn't really comprehend the words at that time. The next thing I remember is he took my hand and we walked over to look at kind of a, like a little tiny brook, a little stream of water. And you know, when you see ones where like the rocks are really well worn, they're just super round. Um, that's what, that's what all these just round rocks, this beautiful water. And that's, that was it. And then I was out. Uh, I spent 12 days in ICU, uh, 17 days total in the hospital. So what had happened to, um, instigate this is that when my appendix burst at home, I went septic. So they were doing surgery on a kid who was already not doing so well. And 
I can tell you, I had asked my mom over the years all the time, you know, do you remember anything? Did they say anything? Did they tell you what happened? And she would say they didn't, you know, there was nothing. But back then, there wasn't that transparency that you have now. You know, it was 1976. So, you know, or 77. I was, I was five and a half. So, you know, um, she didn't have any record of it, so to speak, that was on paper. But I knew what had happened. When I came out of the hospital, it was now my graduation from kindergarten. And I remember distinctly sitting with my cap and gown. And I was sad. I was depressed. And I knew I didn't want to be here. I knew enough that this was not what that was. Mm. And I remember the photographer looking at me and she kept trying to get me smile. And she said, you know, why wouldn't you want to smile? What does a little five-year-old not want to smile about? And I can certainly send you that picture because I still have it. (laughs) And it's this much of a smile. That's about as much as I can muster up. But the experience was so profound that coming back here, it just felt, you know, heavy to be here, quite frankly. Now, the person you've described sounds very much like Jesus. Did you have that idea in mind when you met him? No, actually, I felt very much that it wasn't him. I knew he was of importance and it was not him. It was actually John the Baptist, who was his cousin. Yes. And it was him that led me there. Ended up getting, years later, some more confirmation on that um, through some, you know, some other avenues and having my own metaphysical and spiritual experiences when I was ready to open back up and and get those gifts that were ministered to me, Mm. that book that I was going to know. And I do know now. When you were there, you felt comfortable. Did you mm-hmm. feel a sort of aura of of love that people talk about sometimes that permeates the atmosphere of the place? Oh, absolutely. I didn't want to leave. I didn't have, there was not one ounce of my being that wanted to come back. I wasn't thinking, I'm afraid I want to leave. I wasn't thinking that at all. And in fact, those beautiful tulips, I ended up looking up the spiritual meaning, and it means perfect love. Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, that's where I was, because it's per- it's absolutely perfect love when you cross over and you unite with spirit. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it was it's so profound for me, the symbolism of the tulip now to this day that I will share this with you because we're here, but I ended up getting a beautiful tattoo. Oh, very nice. Of a tulip uh, just recently over the summer, just because it's part of me, you know, and yes, that perfect love. I felt that absolutely the entire time. And the tree, would you say it was like an apple tree or any particular variety you can think of? I really think it was my tree of life. He was showing me. So it looked very much like, I suppose, I'm not very good with trees, but I'll say like a big oak tree, strong. The only thing is, I know that the branches did come low. So not too low, but low enough for me, you know, at five to feel like, oh, I could climb this tree if I wanted to, you know. And I felt that he was showing me really that this this was this with me, this was symbolism for what my life was about to be, you know, full, um, strong, sturdy, and have a purpose. Was this the only tree that you saw? It was the only tree that I significantly remember. I feel like in the background distance, the hills, there were some background trees that I saw, but I didn't focus on them. I was really focusing on these tulips because I couldn't believe how beautiful and bright they were, you know, and um, 
really, it's like they were singing to me in a sense. Perhaps they were. <laughs> yeah, they might have been, probably. And now you got information uh, uh, along the way afterwards about uh, why this is John the Baptist. Tell us about what what more you know about the person you were with. <clears throat> so this is really, um, over the years, when I became to grow into my gifts, um, my intuition, um, my healing abilities, I also found myself with like-minded people, like you find your tribe, your spiritual tribe, and I was I was finding them. I ended up seeing a very well-known medium out of Connecticut. And when I sat with her, I I wanted to just hear what maybe more she might be able to add. So I started with just a little bit of information, just a nugget, and she finished by telling me exactly the experience I had because she saw it as I had, had seen it. But then she said, well, it was John. It was John the Baptist. And I said, and it was almost like it just rang in my heart. Yes, that's who it was. I knew he was significant to Jesus. I couldn't place how all this time. He, so she really filled in that spot. Now, at the time that I saw her, it was very close to Christmas. And uh, I always go into the city with my kids into New York City. We go to St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's a thing we do. And if anybody's familiar, whenever you try to get into St. Pat's Cathedral before Christmas, good luck. It's shoulder to shoulder. It's crowded. It's, it's everything. Yes. Well, we went in uh, two weeks before Christmas. We stepped in, was hardly crowded. That in and of itself, I said, whoa, this is amazing. I, we got to sit in the pew and just sort of feel the peace. And I said, you know what? Why don't we go through the stations of the cross? I've never done that here. Who knows whenever I'll do this. So I end up with my kids um, going through each station of the cross. And it was beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Each one was more magnificent than the other. But we go around, we go behind the altar, and there's the shrine to Mary. Wow. I've never seen that. That was stunning. And we're just standing kind of looking in the glass doorway. And it's very quiet. And I look over to the right, and there's one more statue. Not necessarily a station, just a statue. No one is there. It's two weeks before Christmas. It's no one's there. I said, I think I need to go over there. I walked over and it was a statue of St. Elizabeth, who is John's mother. mother yes. And uh, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin and carved into, you know, the statue was the story of, of how Archangel Gabriel came to Elizabeth and told her that she would be pregnant because Elizabeth was pregnant later in life. That was how the story went. And that she would have a child who would baptize Christ. And every fiber in my body was just vibrating as confirmation. And I knew it was like, it was like Elizabeth was telling me, yes, yes, that is who it was. And that is for sure who it was. I have no doubts. No doubts. Yes, Elizabeth and Mary visited. It's told in the Bible. And mm. the ba baby leaped in the womb when they when the two of them met. Mm. Uh, and John was six months older, I guess, thereabouts. Yep. And proceeded and talked about uh, Jesus coming, that he was just there to introduce people. But I have this, this is very interesting because I'd never heard I've heard lots of people who said I saw Jesus or I met Jesus or I was with the light, but I never have I heard a story of meeting John the Baptist, who is a very interesting and Jesus loved him dearly. I mean mm. I don't know if you've seen the series called The Chosen. No, I haven't. Oh, you you must see it. Find okay. it. Uh, it's in a number of places. It's a it's in its third season now. I think there are going to be four or five seasons. Or more, and it's all—it's Jesus' life told in the simplest, mm. purest, loveliest, ordinary life kinds of terms. You know, no, yeah. nothing fancy, and what they had to put up with the, the Romans and everything. So, yeah. I, so as I'm recommending it to you, I'm recommending it to all our listeners as well. 
I love that. The chosen. The chosen are the disciples. They're the. Mm. It's not that Jesus is the chosen, but that they are. Now, you talk about gifts that you received. Tell us how you discovered that you had those, and do you attribute them to your near-death experience? Okay. So, number one, I'll work backwards. Yes, the answer is I absolutely do. I feel that they are 100% attributed to that experience. So, the gifts that I, I have, I've grown into, because I do believe in my mind, like divine planted these seeds. And it's almost like, you know, over time, over the course of my life and life experiences, they've sort of been watered and cultivated until they were appropriately allowed to bloom. So some things have come after the other. Um, Extremely, I'm intuitive. I'm a healer uh, and a medium at times. Um, so I, I've always been very sensitive to feeling energies. And if I'm in a home, for instance, where there may be an energy that's lingering or whatnot, I can feel that right away. I can look at a house and I can feel it right away. I've had communication. Um, I am a healer by trade. So I am trained as a master at Yusui Reiki integrated energy therapy. I'm a certified meditation teacher, uh, certified in tarot, and I'm an ordained minister. We'll start there. (laughs) But that led over time. So I've had sessions where I'm doing an energetic healing session with clients. And what will happen is I really bring in the divine and we work together and I'm just a conduit. And what will happen is I will see images of where there's emotional trauma on the client. I will see the stories and feel it. And we will work out that energy together. Um, if there is a loved one who would like to come through, they, they have permission. I'm very strict with my rules on who may enter into the session. I do a lot of grounding and blessing for my clients and myself. And I will get a message or some messages for the client, depending on who the client is. Because a lot of times, not only is the energetic healing a benefit, but when you get a message from someone who's crossed over and you love, that can be so healing. That can just be the thing that makes you feel relief, makes you just you know, feel better with the situation, know that they're still with you, that they're watching you, they're aware of what's going on with your family, or if you're thinking of that move, they're telling you to move, you know, go ahead, you know, transfer companies. And this is definitely a gift that I received uh, from my experience. Uh, I will say that I'm, I'm edging into more of the mediumship as I'm growing older, <laughs> as my, uh, you know, the maturation of my gifts, uh, I love healing. And it's just a natural ability that I have. My intuition is always strong and always getting stronger. I'm a big believer in meditation and prayer. And I also feel, I guess, in a sense, it makes me think about John the Baptist, because I kind of feel like we might be a little similar in the sense that I'm all about a little bit of being in the background sometimes and and helping to cultivate the client on whatever level they can get to. Doesn't need to be grand. Healing can just be very small. And I almost feel like with John, his whole life purpose was to serve his cousin. You know, he he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Christ. So I just love him and I love his energy and I just feel like that was so infused into my experience. And I love seeing my clients do well, feel good, feel healthy, peace of mind and peace of heart, and feel that love. And when I'm working with clients, you know, that perfect love is to me, that is the ultimate healer. Love heals everything. And I try to bring that in. You know, Dr. Shelberg who uh, has been a guest on the show. 
couple of yeah. times now. Yeah. And he, as a medical doctor, had the unusual ability to consult with Jesus on his various yep. cases. Yeah. Do you feel like there's something or some source that you're touching with when you are working in healing? Yeah. So although I'm attuned to the Reiki symbols and to integrated energy therapy, which is all of the healing archangels, mm. I pull in a lot of angelic energy and first and foremost it is Christ. And to me, he's like a friend. And I go, you know, all right, let's, let's do this. I call in Christ. I call in Mary. I actually call in Joseph too. And I call in John. I call in my team of angels and all of the healing angels and the angels of my client. And when I'm with a client and I'm doing this work, I can feel him and he just guides me. He's just showing me, yeah, we're going to go here. And he allows me to see the story of the client, to know the trauma that's occurred because trauma is of course very personal and my client sessions, you know, obviously they're very personal. So he allows that to be seen for the highest healing and highest good for my clients. And he's with, he's with us the entire time. And when we're done, we thank him and the rest of the team. Have you encountered spirits that you would say are in trouble or perhaps to use a Catholic term in purgatory? asking for prayer or for help in some way from you or from family? Well, okay. So with clients, I've noticed if there's a family member that for some reason needs to step back, they're not quite there right here with the healing. What they're showing the client is that they are there, but they understand that maybe at this time, a message wouldn't be of the highest good. I have seen that. Side note, separately, personally, I have had a few experiences where I've felt some very negative, that would be an understatement. I had one terrible experience where it just felt like the lowest energy I've ever come into contact with. And what I've been told and, and I've learned over time is when you have these gifts, you're like, you have this ethereal flag waving like, hi, I can hear you. <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> and they want to, you know, sometimes communicate. And I have rules. <laughs> My rules are, we don't do that. So I had to learn the hard way about how to create a protective space in my home and in my bedroom, my poor husband, he's, he'll just say, what, what's that noise? You know, like, are we okay? He'll be like, are we fine? I'll be like, it's, it's fine. Don't worry. I'll work on it. A lot of times. And I have to say, I'm very, very spiritual, not very, very religious. So what, I, when I say this, it's really, it's from a spiritual standpoint. I call in Archangel Michael. I'm telling you, he sits right there next to me at bed. I say every morning I call him in to protect myself and all of my family, my home. And I call in God. And when I had that experience of that energy that was very low vibrating, all of a sudden, without thought, it was almost like a subconscious action. I said the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, over and over again, like three times, and it was gone. And I would advise anybody, this is just my advice, if you ever find yourself in an uncomfortable energy or space, the Lord's Prayer. 100%. For me, that's my go-to. I know. It's said so often that it's almost trite, and yet the power of that prayer is so magnificent. And if you do it line by line and you understand what the prayer, how it's constructed, what yep. it's asking for, what it's offering, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a beautiful prayer. It really is. And the, really power, is. the power and the glory and all that stuff that was added later on, the Catholics I don't know if they have, do they still delete that part because that's not biblical. Well, let's put it this way. I don't add it. So yeah. <laughs> that's all <laughs> deliver, I know. <laughs> and deliver us from evil in many churches, in the Eastern churches, is deliver us from the evil one, mm. which personifies and focuses and is scary <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little about 
your visceral reaction to that low point that you were describing? I was asleep, out cold. And in a microsecond, I felt someone come up into the bedroom, up, right, right, almost like sort close enough, not right up, not right there here, but close enough. And I felt it. And I'm going to say every instinct in my body, whatever guides and angels I have said, get up, wake up, like this is coming this, you know, and it was this moment where it arrived and I woke up and I right away started the prayer. I right away brought and I could visualize Archangel Michael and then right away it was gone. And I looked around the room. I couldn't see anything. But my, oh, my, it, it stuck with me that night. I have um, a very good mentor that I work with. And I called her the next day. And I said, listen, I have to tell you something that happened. And she said, all right. She said, listen, Christine, you got to protect yourself, not only in the morning, but at night. There needs to be a ritual that you create for protection. And it involves blessings, prayers. I, I do use a lot of crystals in my home. Uh, I use some essential oils in my home and rosemary I'll keep around the house. You know, I <laughs> people joke, but this house is, we're good. We're like Fort Knox here <laughs> because I, I know after that experience um, that I'm not interested in ever having it again. I did see once uh, an energy walk across the outside of the house. It got picked up by the ring camera. And it wasn't coming to my house. But also, I'll say this, my house is so protected and blessed, it was not going to be easy to come to my house. So I just watched it go. And I saw it on the ring camera and it went. What did it look like? It looked like, you know what it looked like? Um, It looked like about a 19 or 20 year old, very skinny teenager body in dark pants. It looked like a dark sweatshirt with a hoodie. But here's what part was interesting. I didn't see a face and I didn't see the feet touch the ground and it was moving rather quickly. So that was very strange, very strange. Um, and but I, I said, you know what? That's OK. It, you know, it didn't come to me. But what's funny or interesting about it is the next morning. I go back to the ring and it says person detected, you know, previous event. I play it. It didn't show up on the, on the recording. Oh. Even though it said person detected, it didn't record. So I could see it on my phone when it was happening because that's what I did. I watched it because the ring triggered in the middle of the night. And then I said to my son, I said, hey, check check your ring, you know, the ring carry. So what do, what do you see? He goes, says person detected. It was about two in the morning. I said, and what do you see when you play it? He goes, I don't see anybody on the camera. It was wild. Yeah. Very strange. Do you have more than your son as children? Yeah, How so I have children? a. Do- I have three. Okay, and what do they think of your experiences? They'll joke. They'll say, "Mom, what do you feel? <laughs> you know, what are you picking up on?" But uh, the truth of the matter is, is they're all actually very intuitive, also, and they all have their own gifts. Mm-hmm. So they know if there's something a little off, we're going to pay attention to it, and. They've all had little experiences of their own. Uh, my mom had passed seven years ago. So they've all had little experiences around her. And I love that because that's how, when our loved ones know that they can communicate with us, that's great. You know, it's really, really beautiful. So whether it be a song they play on the radio or the cardinal that they send, or my daughter, sometimes her light will go on or her printer goes off or, you know, just strange little things. Um it's just nice to know. So they, they, although they make fun of me, they do it with love. <laughs> My mother, who also loved roses, sent the has sent the the scent of roses in the middle of winter. Oh, I love that! And it's such a it's such a a, a wonderful, warm, beautiful thing to happen. And your, mo- your mother loved roses. Have you ever had that experience? You know, I. It's funny because I have had that experience with her, but she she did something pretty wonderful right after she passed. She passed in September. And um, at the time she was in assisted living. And so my daughter, my sister were cleaning out her stuff out of the closets and such. And they came upon pre-wrapped 
four Christmas gifts, she was ahead of herself. She liked to be prepared. <laughs> she already had all four of our, us children. She had our, our Christmas gifts. So, okay, that was good. So we set them aside and we, we said, we're going to wait till Christmas. At the beginning of December, there was a early snowfall. And I remember driving to work and looking over on this branch and seeing this gorgeous, brilliant cardinal. Now, I know that that is very much the sign of someone who has passed. But for me, it was the first time I had ever even paid attention to a cardinal. So I, I thought, well, that was really nice. So fast forward, now we get to Christmas and, you know, everybody's here and he, we lay out the gifts from my mom. So I open up the gift and can't make it up. It's a beautiful glass ornate cardinal tree topper. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So that lady, she's always telling me something. <laughs> she's always communicating <laughs> something. Yeah, I knew. I mean, come on. I looked at it and the kids knew the story about the cardinal because I thought it was such a nice story. And I opened it up and my kids looked at me like, whoa. I was like, I know. It's amazing. You know, good for us. Yay. <laughs> the book that John showed you, have you thought about that and what it means? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I have thought about it and... What I do feel it really means is infusing spirit into not only my world, but into clients' worlds and understanding that it really just means love. It's pure love. And you heal through love. Our everyday actions can be through love. And that will change your trajectory tremendously when you embrace that and the more i'm aligned with that energy of trusting and letting go and understanding it's all coming from love it's clear how much better my life has become because of that for sure and when he flipped the pages and created a breeze toward you was that love coming from that book i think so i think that was just a little connection, a little communication there in a, in a different way. And it was love because it's not only love, it can be fun too, right? Yes. <laughs> it is, right? It is. And you can be aligned with spirit and it'd be fun too. Like we're here to, to learn our lessons and I hope in a joyful manner. And sometimes that doesn't always happen. But when we're grateful and we can be grateful for the small, joyous things in our life, mm -hmm. we can increase that vibration in our lives. And, you know, I very much try to, again, keep it on a simple level of helping my clients get there, um, you know, one step at a time towards healing. When you were standing there posing for the photographer and not looking happy because you weren't with the, the situation of Catholicism, did you ever communicate that to your rest of your family, to your parents, that churches are missing the mark of what it's all about? When I came out of it, I believe, you know, I tried to communicate what happened. But at that time, you're looking, and I get it, they were looking at a five and a half year old who was very medicated and <laughs> hooked up to tubes. So they took it with a big grain of salt, we'll say that. But I do recall my mother after the fact, I believe she had such an issue too with the teacher at that time and just the way they handled the situation because I stayed through the day and came home on a city school bus, like at five, if you have a sick child who vomits in a classroom, mm. you know, you'd think there was a little more compassion there. So I think they did look at that a little bit differently. A few years later, when I was in fourth grade, they ended up moving out of Queens to um, the Hudson Valley. So I ended up in a public school, which was, it was lovely. It was a beautiful school. And I think it, it definitely changed the energy, you know, and there was a church. So my mom could go to the church if she wanted to. And she did sometimes and she didn't sometimes. But that also allowed freedom for me, I believe, in how my life path was going to go and how I would come upon spirituality on my own, how I would find my way when it was time. 
I think it, it, it wasn't so strict, you know, it gave me that freedom. And I think everything happens for a reason. So it's not by accident. You know, we moved up to the Hudson Valley, it allowed me that time for growth. And at that point, too, my siblings were moving on and moved out. So it was, I was like an only child, in a sense, finding my own way. The Hudson Valley is nearly as beautiful as heaven <laughs> at different times of the year. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. You're right about that. Yes. St. Francis saw the, the beauty in nature. He saw God in nature. And he saw, I think, the radiance that probably you might have seen from the flowers in mm. the flowers that he was looking at. I, yeah. I just did a blessing of the pet therapy dogs at my hospital for St. Francis Day, which is October 4th. So he's been on my mind and in mm. my shows. But the world is in serious trouble. I mm -hmm. think you would agree. Do you get any yeah. inkling about where things are going or if we can pull ourselves out of a spiritual decline? Yes. I've come up with a few th thoughts. The, the first thought was originally when things really started, it seemed to take a left turn. I was paying attention so much to the events that I said, wait a second, I, I have to detach from that. I'm not going to pay attention to these events right now. How do I want this to be? What do I want this to look like personally? All right. I have a sense of creating a new way to unite. Uh, a way to naturally bring to the surface what isn't working, which is what is happening, quite frankly. A new way to begin to lead our country because it hasn't been done properly for a very, very, very long time. And I, again, when you let go and trust, and I'm believing that there's a lot of work behind the scenes that we're not always aware of, but if we can trust that, that what we want, our end goal, and focus on that, we're going to create that vibration and unite and be and be united versus divided. Mm. Because I thought, you know, geez, you know, like, let's just hypothetically say like four years ago, I didn't care. I'm not the biggest political person. So if you were whatever opposite of what I believed in, I didn't care. I don't care. And then it seemed to turn into sort of like, if you were something opposite of what you believed in, that was a real issue. And I thought, no, that's not loving your neighbor. Like we need to get behind that part. Again, going back to love. And I'm not trying to be naive, like love can cure everything, but it can. But if we can focus on uniting and focus on what we want versus what we don't want, we are definitely going to create that. We're going to focus and create that vibration at a much higher level as a united force. And I do believe, in my opinion, that we may be headed in a better direction. So let's hope from my mouth to God's ears. Yes. Well, the forces of evil know that division is the way to conquer. That's right. I mean, that's an old rule of war. And now yep. it's a psychological war. And yep. that evil one at the end of the Lord's Prayer is, is at work on these things, dividing us, dividing yeah. us, and arming militias and all of the all of the things that could turn into a really sad catastrophic situation so yeah tell us a little about heliotrope holistic healing which is your company name i guess yeah. i can call it a company yeah and what sort of services you would offer for people who are listening sure so heliotrope if anybody knows is actually a type of flower and that flower follows the sun so I actually have that definition on my website, and that's why I love that. It's such a unique, and it's a Greek name, I believe. So at Heliotrope, um, what we do is we provide energetic, intuitive healing with yours truly. Um, as I said, I utilize the, the spiritual connection that I have. I utilize my intuitive abilities and my abilities to see the trauma that's held in the body, along with Husui Reiki and integrated energy therapy, which is the use of the archangels that are focused on healing. In addition, I provide guided meditations for beginners. Uh, I do one-to-one -one sessions or I do group guided sessions. Um, 
Like I said, beginners are always welcome. I love it. I love beginners because I just want them to dive in a little bit. I could just get them a little bit. I could show them how much better they'll feel. <laughs> uh, I'm also certified um, health coach by the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So I'll do wellness consulting and spiritual guidance. And, you know, it's basically sitting with a client and looking at the areas of their life where they would like to work on, where it might be out of balance and help them to create balance that works for them. So those are the three aspects um, and soon-ish to offer mediumship uh, services, but that'll be released when I'm ready to put that on my website. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do love, I love the healing aspect and I love helping people. We have a little time left and I had used uh, some of Rod's writings for meditation. Mm. And, uh, would you like to do a, a short like introductory meditation for the people who are listening? Absolutely. I have a wonderful one. Okay, ready? All right, everybody. If you sit back, close your eyes in a comfortable position and just take a deep belly breath in and release. And you find yourself walking along your favorite beach, the water rolling up onto your toes, the smell of salt in the air, and just notice where the sun sits on the horizon. And in your hand, you're carrying a wooden box. And in that wooden box, you have placed every emotion and past experience that is not serving you any longer. Anger, fear, guilt, envy, all placed into this box. You wait for the perfect wave to come up and it arrives. You step into the water with this box and you watch it get pulled further and further out to sea. Until ultimately it becomes absorbed by Mother Earth and transmuted in love. You walk up on to the shore, still staring at the ocean. And in your mind's eye, focus on the people in your life you, you love the most and love you back. Some may be living, some may have passed. And as you feel into that love, you take a deep breath in through the heart chakra and exhale a bubble of protection around your entire body. A white light comes from above through your crown, down through each cell, through your feet, into the ground grounding you from above and below. And we call upon our personal angels to be with you and assist you for your higher good today and every day. And Archangel Michael to provide protection for you and your loved ones today and every day. Take one more deep belly breath in and release. 
You begin to wiggle your toes and wiggle your hands. Bring awareness back to your body. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> you're welcome. There is a beach just down the way from where I'm sitting that I walk on all the time. I was right there with I your love description. That. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Well, Christine Dorsey, thank you so much for being on the show and for telling us about your life and your experiences, your abilities. I think if someone is looking for any of the services you have to offer, I would certainly recommend that they get in touch with you. You have a website? I do. So it's heliotropeholistichealing.com. And I'm sure we'll attach it somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And if people need to email me, it's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at heliotropeholistichealing.com. And yeah, I would love to help anyone who's interested. They can reach out. And I thank you so much, Lee, for the time to tell my story and hopefully give people some hope and know that there is something really beautiful and better And we can all embrace it and bring some of that beauty and love into this life too. Yeah. And that will help save the, not only ourselves, but the world as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If every one of us just worked on that just a little bit, we can make such a big difference. That's it. Yeah, I agree. My thanks to Christine Dorsey for sharing her story with us. If you'd like to hear this show again, or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, Go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone, for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying... Thanks for listening.